You're listening to the sermon podcast from Meadowbrook Church in Cheyenne, Wyoming with Pastor Keith Miller. If you could stand to honor the reading of God's Word. We're going to actually read from uh, Psalm chapter 8, although I will be spending all of our time in Genesis. I didn't think you'd want to stand for the entire reading of Genesis chapter 1, so we figured, hey, uh, let's do... Let's look at Psalm chapter 8, which actually is a summary of, of the creation account. So uh, I am going to turn there. If I can, my fingers will work. We stand to honor the reading of God's Word because we believe it to be authoritative and uh, that it is the Word of God. And so Psalm chapter 8 beginning with verse, with verse 1. This is the word of the Lord. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens, and out of the mouth of babies and infants you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, and the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field and the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You may be seated. So I will say that sermon series like this, which is the first of its kind that I've done, uh, has forced me to just think about things that I would not normally think about, like dinosaurs. Uh, that was actually a topic, and I'm like, well, I, and I, when I saw that, I thought, well, I've never talked about dinosaurs in a sermon before that I can remember, <clears throat> and so. Why not now? And so we will look into that. Uh, you, may be dis- you may be disappointed. Maybe you'll be thrilled by the end of this sermon. I have no idea. But, uh, but that's the risk we take when, when, I, when I ask, hey, submit a topic and I'll preach on it. Uh, there are also books of the Bible that were submitted. I didn't mention this, but there are a number of books that were of the Bible that were mentioned or that were submitted. Hey, can you preach on this? The book of Revelation. Jude, some of the Old Testament minor prophets, uh, and so some of them I've never preached on before, and so I was thinking, I, I, so I've, lately I've been spending a lot of time in Jude, so maybe in the summer I, I might tackle Jude, and uh, how many of you have ever heard a sermon on Jude? It's like one chapter, and so uh, I thought that would be great, and so we'll do that. I'm probably also going, to, like next week I'm going to be preaching on the Trinity, to address the Trinity in one sermon is, is challenging. So I'm going to do my best next week, but I think in the summer I'm going to do some type of series on the Trinity. So that's coming. Uh, I used to say that when, when somebody would come to me and say, I just don't understand the Trinity, and I would use the illustration, and it's a good illustration, I would use the illustration of, well, you know, uh, God is infinite, we're finite, and so how can the finite uh, understand an infinite mind? And so there is, there is part of that, but that's, um, that's a lazy excuse 
for, for just not understanding the Trinity or seeking to understand who the Trinity is as this God. And so that's next week. So you can be praying for me because uh, I'll be addressing that. Uh, the Trinity is taught in the Bible, and it's, it's in the Bible for a reason. And so we should, it's there so that we can know about it. So that's next week. All right. But this week, where are all the dinosaurs? Where are all the dinosaurs? Well, let me start off with just telling you the story of creation. So I'm going to summarize Genesis chapter 1 and in a very intentional way with the purpose and hope of answering that question, where are all the dinosaurs? So out of the imagination of the mind of God, he spoke everything into existence. Right? I say his imagination because he is the creator. Like With any person who creates, they create out of their imagination, out of the, their, their mind. And, and so God created. On the first day, he created the heavens and the earth, day and night. On the second day, he divided the heavens from the earth. On the third day, he created uh, the, the, the land, sea, and vegetation. On the fourth day, he created the sun, moon, and stars. On the fifth day, he created creatures, great and small. On the sixth day, he created land animals and concluded his creation with the apex of his creation, which was the creation of what? Mankind, Adam and Eve. And uh, on the seventh day, we're told that God rested. And out of the mind of God came all sorts of species of plants, animals, fish, sea creatures, bugs, I mean, trees, you name it, came out of his mind. Uh, out of his mind came the elephants, giraffe, tigers, lions, bears, even, yes, oh my, I knew someone was going to say that. Uh, even the platypus, even the platypus, uh, God created. Out of the mind uh, of God came this little creature. Uh, yes, he is, uh, is 6.2 millimeters in length. He is the smallest fish with a vertebrae. He, it, I don't know, it's ugly, but God created it, and it's got a purpose. I don't know what the purpose is. Maybe it's food for this creature. Uh, this guy, he is the, the great Antarctic blue whale. And he can grow up to 98 feet long and weighs uh, at an estimated 400,000 pounds. He is considered, she, he, <laughs> he's considered the largest, uh, to date, the largest uh, sea creature in, in the ocean. Here's the other crazy thing. Uh, we've only explored 25% of the ocean. So, and we've been here for a while. So maybe there's something bigger than this guy. I don't know, but he's huge. And so, uh, so and, and God not only created that, and I'm not even going to try to pronounce that little fish, ugly fish. There's like, I don't know, 20 letters in his name. So you know me, I, I, I'm maxed out after 10. So, uh, so. But everything in between, that little, that little fish and, and, the, and the great Antarctic blue whale, God created. All that stuff he created. Uh, out of the imagination of God, he created human beings. And he said, let us make man in our image. I, I really believe that that, first, uh, that that verse in verse 24 is a Trinitarian statement. I'll get into that next week. Let us make God in our, in our image and in, in our likeness. He's not talking about angels. He's talking about this God who is three persons, one God. Um, and 
and so yeah, come back next week. But before I even get into what you know is meant uh, or what it means to be created in the image of God, think about how amazing the human body is. The human body is amazing. Uh, like think about your tongue. When God created Adam and Eve, He created them with a tongue. How do I know that? Because they're human. <laughs> and uh, I learned that tongues consist of about eight. 8,000 taste buds, with each taste bud containing dozens of cells that help you experience thousands of flavors. Your tongue and the taste buds that are on your tongue is a gift from God to enjoy food and all kinds of different flavors. Uh, that's not all he created in the human being. Uh, you have a heart that never, never needs to take a break until the day you die. Uh, God created you with a body of at least 2.5 million sweat pores, a liver that can regenerate itself, two lungs, two kidneys, with your, with your small intestines measuring about 20 feet and your large intestines measuring about 5 feet, not to say of your circulatory system and all your nerves and all that stuff. He created it. And that's not all that you were created with. Think about your eye. Your eye is amazing. See, cute, cute picture. Um, who doesn't like babies? Um, so... Eye, the eye. You have with within your eye, you just one eyeball. You have two million working parts. Two hundred and fifty-six traits that are specifically unique to each person are contained in your eye. That's why retina scans are more accurate than a fingerprint, because your fingerprint only has about forty unique traits in it. With, one, with more than one million nerves that connect the eye to the brain, which make it possible to take in the estimated 80% of all information that you take in for, you know, in your lifetime through your eyes. If your eye was a camera, it would, <clears throat> it would be 576 megapixels. My iPhone 14 only has, what, 14. Oh, wait, no, uh, 48, has 48 megapixels. So that's pretty amazing. We were created in a unique category. We, we, we exist in a unique category, set apart from the rest of the animal kingdom, the rest of creation, as those who bear the image of the living God. And, and we read about that in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed and that it is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed and its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I've given every green plant for food, and it was so. And after, after every created act on each of the six days, God said it was good, and then on the sixth day, he said it was very good. You know, part of uh, being, bearing the image of the living God includes the ability to create, so we were given the ability to create language. You do know, right? Language evolves. I could, call, I could give some weird name to this, like, I don't know, Yelp or whatever. Let's just call it Yelp, this, this, this table, this podium, this pulpit. And if, you, if enough people call it that over the course of a period of time, guess what? It will be in your dictionary. 
It'll be a new English word. And so, like, language evolves. God gave us the ability to create language. That's why I marvel at babies. Like, it is said that babies, in their, with their cooing and cawing, are actually have in their ability, in their brain, in, in their vocal cords, the ability to enunciate every syllable in the human language. In the human language. And, and their brains are made and designed in such a way to put those sounds together to formulate meaning. That's crazy. Like God created you with that ability. Not only that, he created you with the ability to, to, to cook, to throw parties, to make babies, to practice medicine, to design clothing, to build houses, plant gardens, tell stories, create tools to plunge the depths of the ocean, to build rockets, to soar to the heavens, and to learn the human anatomy to discover ways to heal the sick. All of that God has created us with the ability to do. And it separates us from the rest of the animal kingdom. Monkeys can't do that. Only humans can, right? And so, uh, all of that. So where are all the dinosaurs, right? Where are they in the, in the pages of Scripture? Well, let me continue. The thing that sets mankind apart, beside the fact that we can create, is worship. We can worship this God. That's why the psalmist said what he said. Let's read this together. I know we read it already, but let's read it together. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? It's like the psalmist is like, my mind is blown. When I look, when I stand on the dirt and I look into the sky, the night sky, and I see all of that, and yet you're mindful of me? That blows my mind. So like when, when Adam was in the Garden of Eden, and, and we read about in chapter 2, he's naming the animals two by two. Did that include the T-Rex? Did he, did he name this great lizard beast? You know, as it walked by him, did he name the Triceratops? Did he name the Megalosaurus? Did he name the Megalo Megalodon? Did he, did he name those? I don't know. We're not told of all the creatures that he named. So, so, so were they in the Garden of Eden? Like, I, we're not told. We have this thing in our minds that because of books that we've read, and really great movies like uh, uh, was, uh, tr um, Jurassic Park, that somehow the T-Rex cannot coexist with humans, right? Like if Adam was walking around in the garden and he came across the T-Rex, that he'd be gobbled up or something. But, uh, but there was shalom in the garden. That's peace. That is, that is absolute peace with the presence of God. And, and so what's the point of creation? Well, when God created, he didn't use special effects, or he, nor did he use any tricks. He spoke, and creation came into a being, and it was good. It was very good. I'm convinced that God, when he created everything, he did it in six literal days. Now, I said a while back, um, there are primary issues, and then there are secondary issues. 
The timing of creation and how long it took, that's a secondary issue. Your, your pl eternal plight is not dependent on whether or not you think the Hebrew word yom means 24 literal hours, or if you think the word yom, which could also be translated to mean a period of time. I have uh, Jesus-loving, Bible-believing friends who believe that the, it took thousands, millions of years for God to create the earth because uh, that's the way he wanted to do it. I don't buy that just based on what I read, and that's okay. We can agree to disagree. But here's why I believe God created everything in six literal days. One, because of what I read in the Bible. In Exodus chapter 20, let's read this together. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So that's Exodus chapter 20. Let's go to Isaiah. Isaiah 45 verse 18. Let's read it together. For thus says the Lord who created the heavens, he is God who formed the earth and made it. He established it and he did not create it empty. He formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord and there is no other. And one other. This is one of my favorite verses. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. That's why you'll hear me every once in a while say God created something out of nothing and told it to stay there. <laughs> right? Because Why? Because he can do it. That's the second reason why I believe God did spoke the, everything that we see into existence in six literal days. He can do it. He parted seas, he raises the dead, he could speak galaxies into existence. That's how big he is. That's why the psalmist in Psalm chapter 8 marveled over this creature called man and why God is mindful of him and her. Uh, and God said it was very good after he made man. Here's, here's the interesting thing. This is what I want to point out to you. I mentioned, like, let's just show of hands. How many of you believe, like, God designed the elephant? based on what you read in Genesis chapter 1. How many of you believe that God designed the giraffe? How about uh, the hippopotamus? And even the platypus? Right? You know what's interesting about Genesis chapter 1? None of those creatures are named. We're not given any details about them. And, and, and the point is not the details of the creation in terms of what critters were created and where and what, how they walked and how big they were or how small they were. We're not even told about, the, we're not even given the details about Adam. We're not told that he has two eyes and two ears. We're not told that he has a set of, a set of lungs or kidneys or a gallbladder or, or, or a circulatory system. Why? Because God in his wisdom did not see the need for us to be told that. He left, there, he left a lot of room for us to explore and to discover the human body, the critters that roam the earth, and the critters that swim in the ocean, and, and everything be, you know, above us, which I think is pretty awesome. Like, you can read Genesis chapter 1, and, and what you discover, and what is discovered, like, say, on planet Mars, doesn't make Genesis chapter, chapter 1 or doesn't call Genesis chapter 1 into question. It just affirms it. Right? And especially Psalm 8. Like, you want to know how big the universe is? You want to know why the universe is so big? Because God is big. And he is the center of it, not man. And so, um, so, so we see all these things, 
And, and like, we're told that the point of creation is not the, not the, the, the small details. The point of creation is, is that God did it and he created man in his image to subdue it and to manage it and to worship him and to fill the earth with Yahweh worshipers. Here's, here's what I do know. What I know is that there was shalom in the garden. And it is a peace that the world does not know today. Um, that God told Adam and Eve, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall, what? Surely die. And Adam and Eve, they rebelled. Now one thing I forgot to mention, just, just for, so, for those of you who are thinking, okay, yeah, I get it, I get it, Pastor Keith, I get it, I, I hear you, Yes, um, but how do you explain, you know, that that the that some of the stars that we see are like 13 billion light years away? Like, how, so that means the universe must be 13.8 billion years. No, it doesn't mean that. It doesn't have to. Like when God created everything, He created everything with apparent age. That's what theologians call it. <clears throat> so, I don't know if Adam and Eve had a belly button, but what I do know is that they were created in a mature state as adults, as were the trees and the plants, and everything was ready to reproduce when he created it. He did the same thing with the universe. He spoke it all into existence in its mature state. And so when scientists say, well, the, the, the universe is at least 13.8 billion years old, like that's, the, that's what it looks like, because <laughs> that's, the, that's the state, the mature state that God has created it in. But again, that's not even the point. The point is, is that man was created in God's image, and then he told Adam and Eve, he told Adam specifically, do not eat from that tree the knowledge of good and evil. If you do, you will surely die. So that leads me to my, my, uh, to, to, to my point, what is lost in creation? So that's the second point. What was lost in creation? Well, I can tell you what was not lost uh, with the fall and in creation, and that is dinosaurs. I think they existed. Uh, I think they existed because we find they're dinosaur bones. <clears throat> I don't know if what uh, archaeologists have put together is an accurate representation of, of them or not. They're just dealing with the, with the stuff that they have available to them. But I can tell you that the existence of dinosaurs doesn't disprove the Bible. Uh, God created all things. And then, uh, you know, we'll get to the whole Noah thing. I, I forgot to mention this in the first service, but you know, when Noah put all the animals on, on the, when he put, when he was told to put these different critters on the ark, he was not told to put every single species that was on planet earth or in the sea or above the sky in the ark. He was told to put them in terms of their kind. So, it, you know, so maybe the dinosaurs all drowned in the flood. I have no idea, but that's not the point. The point is, is that God is God, and we were made in his image. And, and Adam and Eve rebelled and sinned, and like as I, I mentioned this, almost every time I, I, I look at Genesis chapter 3 you know, in front of you, that, that Adam and Eve bit into the fruit and our teeth have ached ever since. Like we are under a curse. And so Adam and Eve were before this tree. We're, we know Adam was there. We're told Eve was deceived, Adam rebelled. 
Eve was having a conversation with this serpent. We'll get to him in a minute. I think, I think he as a creature is fascinating, and uh, I'll, so I'll get to that in a little bit. But they're having a conversation, and Adam was right there watching the whole thing and seeing how it would play out. Like God told Adam, if you eat from the fruit, you will die. So what does he do? Let's see what happens to Eve first. And so, because so, she bit into it, she didn't die. She handed it off to Adam. He's like, that oh, must be good. And so he bit into it and ate it. And, and the very thing that the serpent promised is the very thing they did not experience. What they experienced was shame. They were, and, and uh, judgment as a result of sinning against God. They saw that they were naked, and, um, and they sewed fig leaves together to cover their nakedness, which is almost comical that they did that, and they hid. They hid from the presence of God. And uh, God found them, and uh, he addressed their sin. In Romans chapter 5, verse 12, we read these words. Let's read this together, ready? Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned, for sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. Like, that's the problem. Adam and Eve sin, we're cursed as a result. I said this in the first service, I said it in previous services, and uh, worship services when I was preaching on the sin of mankind. You know, that, that sin is a sexually transmitted disease. It goes from one generation to the next, to the next, to the next. And, and from in the very short distance between Genesis chapter 3 and Genesis chapter 4, things went from bad to worse. And they get even uglier as, as, as you get to chapter 6 and, uh, and, the, and the chapters that follow. Adam and Eve's sin did not only... It not only brought physical and spiritual death, but it, it spread through the birth of Cain like gangrene. And uh, so they give, you know, God deals with them, and he tells them there will be a redeemer. That redeemer will come through your gene pool. That, we're talking about that next week and, and then Resurrection Sunday. It will come through your, your lineage, Adam and Eve. Uh, this, this deliverer will crush the head of this serpent, but, um, but in the giving of life, Eve, when you give birth, you'll be reminded of death. Adam, every time you try to bring forth life from the ground, you'll be reminded of death. You will, you will <clears throat> live under a curse. And so you get to chapter 4, and they respond to that, and, uh, which is really interesting. Again, so, so, so there are a lot of things that were not told in the Bible, because God in his wisdom didn't feel the need for us to know those things. Then there are things that are, that are in the Bible because they're necessary for us to know those things. And then there are things that are there, you just don't see them with your eyes. Like, for example, in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, Adam and Eve were told to do what? Be fruitful and multiply. Where are all the babies when you get to Genesis chapter 3? There are none. Then they sin. In Genesis chapter 3, and then, by the way, the other awesome thing about the story, if you're looking at the details, is Adam didn't name Eve Eve. She was just a woman until you get to Genesis chapter 4. Um, and, and so, well, Genesis chapter 3, verse 20. 
He, he calls Eve, he calls his wife's name Eve, which means mother of the living. Then they have their first child together, which is a, which is, which is a demonstration of their faith in the promises of God. Okay. So there's redemption there, and there's, there's forgiveness there, and it's amazing. And then you get to Genesis chapter 4. They have their first child. His name is Cain. And what does he do? He disappointed them beyond measure, right? And this is what I want you to see. This is a, I want you to see this because I think this is going to help you answer the question, where are all the dinosaurs, in case you're still wondering. Where are they? <laughs> get to the point, Pastor Keith. Tell us where the dinosaurs are. Um, so Genesis chapter 4, uh, verse 10. The words will be on the screen. You can track along in your Bible. You can even mark it up if you'd like. I want you to see this. And the Lord said, so, so you know the story. Cain was jealous over the worship that, that, that he was giving to God or offering to God in the form of a sacrifice and God's response to his younger brother Abel. So Adam and Eve had Cain, then they had Abel, I guess they grew up, and Adam or, or no, Cain was was paying attention to the way God would receive Abel's worship, and was jealous over it. So what did he do? He developed a plan, told his brother, "Hey, come here," and he murdered him. So we went from we want to be like God, Adam and Eve, uh, to to, and then they experience shame. Then they repent from that, have a child by the name of Cain, and then Cain kills their second child, Abel, and 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 then Cain is driven from the from from east of Eden. So Adam and Eve were kicked out of Eden. They're just outside of Eden, and then we we come to this mess in Genesis chapter four. And so this is what the Lord says. I want you to see this. He says, "And the Lord said, What have you done?" The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground, and now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. So what was Cain's response? My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground, and from your face I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Let's read this together. This is fun. Ready? And whoever finds me will kill me. Who is the whoever? Uh-huh. Yeah. So, you're like, Genesis chapter 1, literal. Mm. And then you get to and then you get to chapter 4, and you're like, uh, where, where did all the people come from? Because he went from Cain, Abel, Abel gets killed, and your expectation is, well, there's just three human beings on the earth. And then Cain is worried about other humans like him who are just as violent, maybe even worse than him, and he's afraid for his life. And maybe you're thinking, well, maybe Cain was just exaggerating. I mean, I, you, how many of you have kids, right? Have kids? How many of them have exaggerated at some point in their life? Yes, all the time, right? Uh, and so maybe he's exaggerating. But then you come to verse, thir- verse 15 of chapter 4, and the Lord said to him, not so. If anyone kills Cain, here we go again. So not only is Cain worried about people, God affirms that his worry is legit. Like, yeah, you should be concerned. 
And so, so if anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, whatever that was, lest any who found him should attack him. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Anybody troubled by that? You should be a little bit. Um, like, where did they come from? What is the time gap between cha chapter 3 and chapter 4? And, and here's the answer. You ready? It's a, deeply, it's, a, it's, a, it's a deep theological, profound answer. And it's, it's appropriate. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's okay to say that. It's okay to not know all the details. That doesn't make the account illegitimate. It doesn't make it wrong. It's just God in his wisdom said, you don't need to know the details. What you need to know is there's a problem. And that problem is the result of the rebellion of man against a God who created man in his image. And so um, there are some things, and this is important to note, there are some things that God in his wisdom did not see the need for you to know. And there are things that are included in the Bible that were written because of the things we must know. Next week, I'm going to talk about the things we must know, the Trinity, that God is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And you don't have to be a mental giant to, to embrace that and to, and, and to see it as truth. But here, here's all, I, I'm, I don't, I'm practically out of time, so, but we've got to continue. So what happens? Cain is driven from east of Eden, and I want you to see this also. He has a, there's a grandson, great-grandson. His name is Lamech. You find him in Genesis chapter 4, verse 24. And Lamech, we don't know a whole lot about him. We're just told something that he, he, he just kind of boasts about some stuff. And this is what he says. He says, Ada and Zillah, who are those? Well, we're going to find out. Hear my wife, or hear my voice, you wives of Lamech. Listen to what I say. He's the father of polygamy. So now you go from, we want to be like God, to somebody murdering his own brother, to, to this guy Lamech who, take, who, who has no regard for the sanctity of life or the sanctity of marriage. And he said, this is what he says. He says, hear my voice. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, who said that Cain's revenge would be sevenfold? God did. Lamech said, then Lamech is 77-fold. I'm greater than this God. I'm, I'm better than him. Cain needed God to protect him. Nobody needs to protect me. So you have this increasing wickedness in the heart of man um, that's violent and perverse and, and, and even uh, perverts the sanctity of marriage. And... Um, and this is the mess that we find ourselves in. Then you come to Genesis chapter 6, and uh, we don't have the time to get into the first four verses, but man, those are, those are interesting. Like, who are the sons of God cohabiting or ha having sex with the daughters of men? And, and out of their relationship, you have these Nephilim that come into being who are men of renown. Um, I can tell you what they're not. The sons of God are not angels or fallen angels having sex with humans because angels don't have human DNA. That's impossible. But they may be demonically possessed individuals. 
All we do know in those first four verses is things have gotten even uglier. They're more ugly than even Lamech. Yeah, Lamech, and now you have this. And it's ugly, and it's so ugly that we read in verse 5, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So what did God do? He singled out Noah and his family. We're told in verse 11, now the earth was corrupt in God's sight. The earth was filled with what? Violence. So what was, the alter- what, was, what was the result? What was, what was God to do out of his perfect justice and his holiness? And to destroy the earth, to flood it, to destroy the living and spare Noah. You know, the apex predator in Genesis chapter 1 is not the Tyrannosaurus rex. And it's not even the apex predator in, you know, after the fall, you know, like where animals got real violent towards each other. I think that's what happened. I think when Shalom... When Shalom was violated by the sin of Adam and Eve, everything got all out of whack. Like we're told that God cursed the earth, and so, as a result, and so, uh, you know, then, I, then, then maybe, maybe things that you see in Jurassic Park were, you know, a, a good reflection of what happened after the fall. I don't know, but the apex predator is not the Tyrannosaurus Rex in chapter three, or chapter four, or chapter five, or chapter six, or every other chapter in the Bible. You know who the apex predator is? Man. Man is the most dangerous creature on planet Earth. Because wickedness is, he's the only creature that's in rebellion towards his holy God, and and wickedness fills his heart, and and that's the reason why God flooded the Earth. And if you're, you, you know, if you're wondering, well, well, where's the scary lizards at, the the big giant scary lizards? There is one. It's Genesis chapter three. And and here's what we know of him. He is called the accuser. He is called the adversary. He is called the beast. He is called the deceiver. He is called the devil. We know him as Lucifer and Satan. He is called the enemy, the evil one, the liar. And he is also called the great dragon. And what I find really, really cool about this whole story, which I believe is true and real, is that the great dragon is reduced to a serpent who will one day have his head crushed by the foot of a redeemer that we know as Jesus Christ. Amen? Like, that's good news. That's good news. Uh, Ryan and I were talking about this, and Ryan, you can come up and um, uh, you know, lead us in this final song. But like, we were talking about this. The mention of dragons in the Bible is never a good thing. And the mention of dragons and great, great creatures in other religions, you know, like that surrounded Moses and the, people, and the Hebrew people in the wilderness, they celebrated those things. And you come to Genesis chapter 3, the dragon is reduced to a serpent who will have his head crushed. And, then, uh, and as a result, God will make all things new through this Redeemer, Jesus Christ. This is why the Trinity is so important, which we'll talk about next week. Jesus Christ was born, lived, and died on a cross for our sins and rose from the grave to do just that, crush the head of the serpent and redeem lost mankind. Amen? Thank you for listening to the Meadowbrook Church Podcast. For more information about our church, visit meadowbrook.org.